0: Well, good morning. Welcome to church. We are so glad that you are here with us, whether you're in the room or you're joining us online. Welcome. We are so thankful that you're here. And if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, we would love for everybody who's in the room and online to check in. And you can do that with the information behind me on the screen. And uh, that, when you do that, it takes you to a place where you can see announcements and a place to post re- prayer requests and to see the pastor's notes and a whole whole mess of things. So if you could do that each week, that would be amazing. Well, a couple of things that we want to point out that are particularly important. First is Upward Basketball is about to start. And so we need coaches. And if you'd be willing to coach, that would be amazing. Uh, also, we need uh, your kids to sign up. But your kids don't sign up, you sign your kids up. So make sure you get your kids signed up for Upper Basketball. And yeah, we really need coaches. And so if you can help us out in that regards, that would be amazing. If you want more information, call the church office and we'll fill you in. But if you want to volunteer right now, text the keyword COACH to that number and that will get you um, on that list. The next thing is this. Next Sunday will be a very special Sunday. Um, Mark Lee from Third Day. And uh, David Glenn will be joining us. David's a singer-songwriter. And they'll be leading us in worship with our band on Sunday morning. And then following that at 6 p.m., they'll have a free concert here. We're calling it a night of worship. And they're going to share stories behind the songs. Uh, Mark Lee, in particular, when he was writing things with Third Day, uh, he'll share some of the backstories of that. And it will just be a night of worship. So we hope you'll come be a part of that concert next Sunday at 6 o'clock. It'll be a, it'll be a really good time. But all that to say, we are glad that you're here. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to kind of open this thing up in worship. So if you will, bow your heads, and let's uh, pray together. Father God, we come to you this morning just thanking you for being the all-sufficient Savior. God, we're so thankful for the service we had just about an hour ago, and for the way you move there. And God, we pray that we've experienced the same movement of your spirit here during this service. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing around the world through churches. And we're so thankful that we have a place here in Delan that you've called us to minister. So God, whatever our burdens are that we walked in the door with, I pray that we'd have the ability to set those aside for just a moment and focus on you. God, we thank you so much for Jesus, which is why we do everything. And in your name pray. Amen. If you will stand, and let's continue to worship together.
1: How are we doing today, church? Come on, I feel the peace of God. I feel His joy this morning. Come on, His Spirit is here. Let's give Him some glory. Come on. This is what heaven sounds like we pray. Endured that ancient cross, how precious is my Savior's blood! The beauty of heaven wrapped in my shade, the image of love upon death's frame. go ahead and pray with me. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, we are just so grateful and so privileged to even stand here in your presence. Lord, you are holy and we just rightfully sit you on your throne in our hearts, Lord. Lord, give us focus as we go into the sermon. Jesus, thank you for everything you've done just in these past 30 minutes. Lord, you're so great. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. guys can be seated.
2: Good morning. So good to see you this morning. So grateful that we have the opportunity to uh, to be together. We're going to continue in our series through the Book of Esther. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Esther chapter five. If uh, you don't have a Bible, there's one right there in front of you, and uh, it's on page 413 of that Bible that's in the rack right in front of you. Um, I don't know if you have ever taken a personality test, um, something that we do as a, as a, as a team here. And, and so we, we'll take a personality test, and, and it just gives us an opportunity to kind of evaluate who we are, uh, a little bit of understanding of, of just our personalities, how they mesh together, uh, how we all fit together. So um, I, uh, Myers-Briggs is one of the personality tests that's out there. And um, on the Myers-Briggs test, I am, for some of you this will make, make sense, I am an ISTJ, and so what that means is that my natural bent is I'm an introvert, I have a sense, sensing, that, that I kind of have a, uh, an attitude of sensing rather than uh, just being intuitive. I'm a thinker, uh, and I have a sense of right and wrong judgment, um, kind of this is the way we need to be, this is the way we no, don't need to be. Um, the opposite of that is somebody who's an extrovert, intuitive, feeling, and perceiving. All of that I say um, because one of the things that happens when you take a personality test like that is you have a tendency to look at your life and to ask yourself, um, why am I the way that I am? And sometimes you can even get to the point of using a, a tool like that to make excuses for being the way that you are. And I've shared with our team, when we take those personality tests, that is not something that's kind of ammunition for us to say, well, sorry that you don't like me. This is just who I am. Look at my personality test. Instead, it's actually an opportunity for us to identify Areas where we can grow and stretch and be a little bit different. It also helps us when you take in a group setting, when you take exams like that, it it helps you to see I might be this way and you might be this way and coming together as a team, we can help each other out. We can actually benefit one another because you see things in a certain way and I see things in a certain way and we see things differently and God has actually placed us in a team setting together so that we can be the very best that we can be. It really is a great thing. It's that idea that in the world that we live in, you've probably heard this statement, it takes all kinds of people to make the world go around. And that is true. It takes all kinds of people for the world to go around. And and what that is, it's kind of that same attitude of you've got gifts, I've got gifts, you've got strengths, I've got strengths. And if we put all of our capabilities together, we actually come to a point where we can accomplish more things, greater things. I say all that to say all of us have struggles or struggles problems or difficulties that we deal with and what we're going to look at in the book of Esther today is a picture of a problem that she was dealing with and what we're going to see in her actions is that she puts together some traits that we need to put together and, and I'll go ahead and give you the end of the sermon before we start I'm going to share something with you at the end of today's sermon that you're going to say I'm good there I'm not good there And somebody else sitting in the room is going to say, I'm good there. I'm not good there. And we're going to see that God has actually placed us together as the body of Christ. And he has put something inside of us that says we need to improve in our areas of weakness. We need to focus on our areas of strength. And we need to be the people that God has called us to be. As we're talking through today, I want you to be thinking, what is the problem? that you are struggling with right now. It might be in your family, it might be at your work, it might be a, a struggle that you have in your own self. Is there an issue that you are dealing with that you're trying to find the answer to, that you're trying to find what should I do next, what should be the next step? Maybe it's something that's a, a challenge that's been placed in front of you. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's something at school that you're really struggling with. Maybe it's a friend or a, a, a child or um, a brother or a sister, it, but what is the problem that you're dealing with. And I think what we're going to find today is that Esther gives us some really great answers. Just to kind of give you a quick update on where we are, we left the story with Esther fasting for three days. And if you remember, she was determined that she was going to go into the king of Persia at the risk of her life, because if he did not receive her properly, the only rule, the only law was that she would be executed. So she goes, she kind of says, I'm going to fast for three days. I'm going I'm to prepare my heart, and prepare myself, and then I'm going to go into the king. And it, it ends with, and if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. I'm going to do what I can, and I'm going to leave it up to God. So we pick it up in Esther chapter 5, verse 1. It says, on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's quarters. While the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. And he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the, of the scepter. And the king said to her, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you even to the half of my kingdom. Well, uh, last week we left Esther in this suspense of she's going to fast for three days and then she's going to go into the king. And it kind of ruins the suspense right at the beginning of the story, doesn't it? He Basically, she goes into the king. He immediately receives her. He welcomes her in. He holds out his scepter. He basically says, listen, you are welcome here. And so she's not going to die. And if I perish, if I I perish, I perish. She's not going to perish. She's going to live. It kind of ruins the suspense, doesn't it? Not a great storytelling tactic. I would have stretched that out a little bit more, right? But she is received. And she's not just received. She's received with an offer. Esther, Esther tell me what you want. I'll give you anything up to half of the kingdom. Now what are you expecting next? I wrote down what I expected. Oh king, that awful Haman has ordered the execution of all the Jews in the kingdom and I'm a Jew. He's mad at my uncle who's like my father Mordecai and because of his anger and his awful attitude, he is going to commit genocide in your name. Oh, king, please do whatever you can to stop him. I want to live him. My people want to live And Honestly, we didn't do anything to hurt Haman. It's his pride. He's just a puffed-up old ninny that can't see his face for his nose, and he's angry. He's so angry. Oh, king, do something, do something, do something, do something, do something. Right? But what does come next? How does Esther answer the offer of the king? Verse 4, it says, and Esther said, if it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a feast that I have prepared for the king. Her people are going to die and she invites the king to a picnic? To a, a banquet? What, what is wrong with Esther? Esther? I can think of lots of things that that she should do in this moment. Inviting him to a meal was not one of them. But that's exactly what she does. Now, it's interesting because it's obvious here. I mean, you've got to read this and go, okay, there must be something more. Esther must have a plan. Let me go ahead and ruin, ruin the end of the story. Esther has a plan, all right? It's going to work out. But you need to hear that she is inviting the king to a a feast that she has prepared. Now, this is profound on many levels. Number one, it's profound on why in the world would she not just say, hey, take care of Haman. But it's also interesting in that she is inviting the king to a feast that she has prepared. That she has prepared she has gotten ready a feast anybody remember what esther was doing right before she went into the king she was fasting for 3 days and apparently cooking now i don't know about you but if i ever cook a meal i've i've got to taste test and if i'm hungry i taste test a lot If I haven't eaten for three days, I might taste test an entire plate. But she has been fasting. We have to believe that she was faithful in her three-day fast. And in the midst of her fast, she is preparing a feast for a king. This is not just any feast. This is the finest of foods. This is the finest of selections. She is preparing a feast for a king and his number two, Haman. And she says, why don't you come to a feast? Verse 5, it says, then the king said, bring Haman quickly so that we may do as Esther has asked. So the king and Haman came to the feast that that Esther, uh, sorry, I called her Fester, that's not good. So the king and Haman, sorry, uh, so the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king said to Esther, what is your wish? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled he's given her the offer again what do you think she should say oh king that awful Haman has ordered the execution of all the Jews in the kingdom and I am a Jew he's mad at my uncle who's like my father Mordecai because of his anger and his awful attitude Is going to commit genocide in your name oh king please do whatever you can to stop him i want to live in my people want to live in honestly we didn't do anything to hurt haman it's his pride he's just a puffed up old ninny that can't see his face for his nose, and he's angry he's so angry oh king do something do something do something do something that's what she should answer what did she say then esther answered my wish and my request is if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleased the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come to the feast that I will prepare for them. And tomorrow I will do as the king has said. She invites him to another picnic. This is problematic. I am watching this and seeing this from the outside. I know I've already read the rest of the story. It works out. But at, right in this moment, you're going, Really? Why are you not telling him the problem? He's right there. It's Haman. Dun, dun, dun. He's the guy. Get rid of him. Deal with him, king. If you'll give me half of your kingdom, surely you'll deal with your evil servant, Haman. But instead, she invites him to another feast that we will hold Tomorrow, I'll go ahead and give you an aside and a fast forward. We're not going to get to that feast until next week. until next week, so come back. It's interesting. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be something in the works. Hint, hint. There is a reason, and we'll see it next week. Let's finish this section, though, because there is something here that gives us a little bit of a clue as to why the delay. Verse 9, it says, And Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. And he sent and brought his friends and his wife Zeresh and Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, all the promotions with which the king had honored him. And now he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Then Haman said, even Queen Esther, let no one but me come with the king to the feast she prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her together with the king. Yet... All this is worth nothing to me so long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends said to him, we've got an idea. Let a gallows 50 cubits high, that's 75 feet high. If you were to imagine two full-size school buses stacked on end, that's about 75 feet. Let a gallows 50 cubits high be made, and in the morning tell the king to have Mordecai hanged upon it then go joyfully with the king to the feast this idea pleased Haman I'm sure it did and he had the gallows made Haman is so proud of himself he's looking at all of his riches and he calls everybody around him and he he makes sure that he recounts to them just how important and how good he is but he says "I, I can't I can't even appreciate everything that I have as long as Mordecai, that evil, terrible Mordecai, is not willing to worship me. So Haman decides to hang Mordecai on a 75-foot pole. Now, just so that you understand kind of what that usually looks like, especially in Persian practice, uh, the Romans actually got a little bit of their um, action or their execution of crucifixion from the Persians. So when it says that they were going to hang him, see, when we think of gallows and hanging, we think of like the Old West, right? That is not what happened here. Instead, what usually happened was they would not hang someone. They would hang someone by impaling him on top of a pole. So 75 feet up in the air, they are now going to impale Mordecai. And he is going to hang, hang there until his death. Mordecai doesn't just want to kill him. He wants to make a public spectacle of him. Haman is officially done with Mordecai. He knows by the casting of lots that he can't kill the entire Jewish nation until 11 months from now. But that doesn't mean he can't take care of Mordecai right now. So he builds the gallows, he builds the pole, he builds the public spectacle, and he gets ready to deal with with Mordecai, and we will pick up the story again next week. To be continued. By the way, you're welcome to read ahead. What do we see here? It's an interesting part of the story. It, 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 it can actually be a little, a little disturbing to see the story taking a turn like this. You want to look at Esther, and you want to say, "Do something." You've been received, you've been offered. Just do something. He said that he would give you anything he wanted. Do something. And I would tell you that she does something, but it's not typically how we do it. You see, my experience is and I I realize that I may not be speaking for everyone, but I know I'm speaking for me. And I think I'm speaking for a lot of people in this room. We have a tendency to read this story, and we're frustrated by Esther because we just want her to come up with and enact the solution. Do something. Probably one of the greatest brands in our generation is the brand Nike, who has the slogan, what? Just do it. Take action. In the words, the immortal words of the theologian Yoda do or do not, there is no try. In other words, we are called, and in our minds, we have a, we have a tendency to be take-action people. Which is why Esther frustrates us so much here. But I would tell you that in this moment, Esther does something that is immensely profound. Because what she does in this moment of problem in this moment of conflict, in this moment of struggle, what she does is she practices patience in prayer. She practices patience in prayer. If I'm right, and I think I am because I have a lot of conversations with people We are really, really good at being practice people. Meaning, we're ready to do something. What should I do? Well, how should I act? What choice should I make? What action should I take? Uh, We we, we love being practice people, and and in the room, we probably have a lot of a lot of practice people. That it's it's like you've got it, you figured it out, practice people. We might actually in the room have some, some patience people. We have practice people and we have patience people. We, we might have some people that, that say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of good at waiting. I, I, can, I can wait. I'm good. I know it'll all work out. I know it'll all work out and it's, it's going to be okay. I, I don't want to get too far ahead. I don't want to get too far behind. I'm just, just going to be patient. But Esther here practices patience in prayer. And maybe we have a few people that your very first inclination anytime you hit a problem is you are a prayer person. Maybe. Can I just be confessionally honest with you for just a moment? I have a tendency in my life, in my work, in my just everyday existence, I have a tendency to be a practice person. See a problem, solve a problem. Tell me about a problem, here's a solution to your problem. I, 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 I have a tendency to rely on my experience I have a tendency to rely on my background. I have a tendency to rely on the oh yeah I've seen that, oh yeah, I've dealt with that, oh yeah, I've been there, oh yeah, oh yeah oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, and I have a tendency to be a a a a problem solver it's my that's my bent, and I just want you to know that as I was writing this. And as I was preparing this message, I was like, I do not want to preach that because that hurts. Because the area where I, I probably am weakest is when I face a problem, my immediate response is not, oh, I need to pray about this. I, I'm just, I'm, I, if you don't like that, then I'm sorry. We're, we're, we're here together. But we all can struggle with that. Can I tell you, um, just this this past week, I had an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody that I knew was going to be a tough conversation. I knew going into it, it was going to be a tough conversation. And and I was in the process of writing this message and I did something that, I, that I, 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 usually when I go in for a tough conversation, I'm thinking about, well, if they say, then I'm going to say, and if they do this, then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to answer this, and this is how I'm going to start it, and this is how, you know, this is where I want the conclusion to be, and these are the points that I want to make, and let me make a few notes, and I'm a practice person. This week I was going into a conversation and I knew it was going to be a tough conversation and I was just like... I, 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 actually, I actually sent a text early in the week to set, to set up the conversation. And before I hit send, I was like, Lord, please let this be received well. Lord, would you just have your way in the midst of this? Would you, would you make all the details work out? Would you allow the conversation to happen in the right moment, in the right context, in the right situation? Would you just work out the details of this? Would you make it happen just exactly the way that it needs to happen? send. The next day, I had that conversation, and I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. In that conversation, first of all, it was very peaceful, it was very productive, and in that conversation, about the time I was sending that text the day before, this person was having a conversation with somebody that was also having, having talking about things and it was easing the conversation that I needed to have. It was like God was preparing right there what needed to happen here. And I was like, huh, it worked. Well, that's pretty awesome. And I say all that to say this. We all have problems that we're dealing with. We all have situations that we're struggling with. And and my experience has been that we have a tendency in our lives to see a problem and just try to find the solution to the problem. But we skip right over the opportunity to take the problem to God. And I think one of the reasons, and you've heard me say this quite a few times, all the details are going to fall into place for Esther. One of the reasons why we struggle in our life is because we refrain from taking our problems to God before we try to figure out a solution. If this, is, if this isn't for anybody else, it's for me. But I think it's probably for quite a few people in the room. Y'all, we are so good at coming up with our own solutions. And how many times in our life have we learned (laughs) that our solution caused more of a problem? Do you think it would have done the same if we would have taken the problem to God in the first place? Lord, I don't know what to do with this. But you have all the wisdom. You have all the guidance. You've got it in your hands. So, Lord, I am bringing my concern, my need before you. And I am not coming up with my solution. I am practicing patience in prayer. What I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be patient. And in my patience, I'm just going to keep bringing it before you, God. We must be a people that are willing We've got practice people and patient people and prayer people. We've got to recognize that God is calling us to practice patience in prayer. That is who He is calling us to be. We can't just say, Well, I'm a practice person. I I come up with solutions. How's that going for you? I'm just a waiter. I wait, I'm patient, I know that it's gonna be okay, and it I'll just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. Not wait in prayer, but just wait. How's that going for you? I'm a prayer person. I'm gonna pray and 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 pray, and I'm never gonna do anything. How's that going for you? We must practice patience in prayer. We must recognize that God has the solution. To the problems that we're facing. So I ask you, that struggle that you're dealing with, that issue that you're, that you're having, that problem that is, that is just plaguing your life, I'll ask it to you this way. Have you prayed about it? If not, there's no time like the present to start. So, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you open up your heart and your mind and your ears and your eyes and your presence to us. God, thank you that we have the privilege of being able to bring our needs to you. God, thank you that you are in the midst of our struggles and you know the answer before we even ask the question, God. You are, you are so wise, and yet we so many times miss out on the opportunity to, to gain your wisdom because we just don't ask. Father, I come before you personally and I just, I just confess to you, God, that so many times I've come up with a solution without bringing the need before you. And so, God, I just I confess that before you. And I pray, God, that you would allow me to see that error when I'm approaching it God I thank you I thank you that you know us inside and out you know all of our struggles you know all of our issues and God you can do mighty things in our midst I just want to give you an opportunity to respond today maybe you're maybe you're here and you're you kind of say, yeah, I I, I see that in my own life. If you're dealing with a problem right now and you've tried to come up with solutions, you've gone to counselors and you've done the Google searches and you've talked about it as a family and you've discussed it this way and that way and you just still are struggling. And maybe this message has kind of elevated just an awareness of the fact that I've done everything except take this to God. If you're dealing with a problem right now and you you know that you need to just simply bring it to God and ask him for his solution. Would you just simply raise your hand just as a as a confession to God that listen there's some things that I've I've kind of held on to on my own anybody? Yeah. That's right. Anybody else? So many times we try to come up with a solution ourselves. And God is inviting us. He's welcoming us into his presence. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of of worship and a time of prayer. And I just want to encourage us to use the front of this room as a place that is holy that we can get on our knees or we can even stand and, and just say, God, I want to lay this before you. So many times we come to that time of invitation and we just sing the song. But I want to encourage you to use these next few moments that we have together to take a first step of laying that need at God's feet. Because I promise you, he has the answer and it's a way better answer than what you'd come up with on your own. Father, would you just use these next few moments to help us to see how you can accomplish great things in our midst. Father, it's all about you. We desire to see your hand at work In Jesus' name, amen. You're welcome to stand. You're welcome to come here. But let's not let this moment pass. And let's not just sing a song. Let's bring our needs before the Lord. He's listening and he desires for us to bring our concerns before him. So let's pray.
0: Let's close this time in a quick...